I think like it, it just depends on the asset, you know, how durable and how, uh, you know, how stable your tenant base is. It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you've come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guest for the week, Andrew Keel. And today we are the two smart assets. For those not yet familiar with Andrew, his focus is buying value add mobile home parks. And he currently owns and operates about 40 mobile home park communities, uh, consisting of over 2,500 residents throughout the central US. And today we're going to learn a lot more about what he has going on. Andrew, it is great to see you, sir. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Danny. Excited. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped to dive into this conversation. You know, uh, mobile home parks is is one of those asset classes we touched on uh, previously in the show, but but not too much. So excited to dive in, do another primer on this. Um, before we do that, though, uh, tell us more about your background and actually how you got into mobile home parks. It's a crazy story. So I started uh, in real estate, uh, flipping houses around Central Florida, and through that, I put up bandit signs. I was mailing out letters trying to generate you know off market deals. And through one of my letters I mailed uh, to an out-of-state owner, a guy called me and said, hey, I have two mobile homes up in Ocala. And I lived in Orlando at the time. I said, I have two mobile homes up in Ocala. I want to get rid of them. You know, we negotiated. He said, hey, I'll take $1,100 uh, a piece. So $2,200 total for these two mobile homes. So I went up there. I was like, I know it has to cost more to build these things than $2,200. So I, I, I bought the homes, gave them the cash, got the titles signed came home and got on YouTube and found this guy named Lonnie Scruggs who wrote this book called Deals on Wheels. And he basically teaches people how to buy mobile homes and then sell them on contracts to an end buyer. So I was like, I could do this. So I fixed the homes up a little bit and I put them on Craigslist and I was astonished at how many people reached out. In the first 24 hours, I had like over 25 people with money in hand, like ready to go. Wow. And they were already getting approved by the park because they were going to pay lot rent to the park and then the home payment to me. And it was just insane. So I ended up like doing that deal and, and selling each of them for $2,500 down and $250 a month for five years. And it was like, wow. I was like, this is amazing. Like the flipping of the houses was great. And then I'd have three months with no income and then I'd have another closing. So, I was like, this is awesome. So I actually went and did 19 more of those Lonnie deals okay, okay. and generated enough income to cover all my expenses. It was just my wife and I at the time. So then I was like, okay, there's something to this. I met the park owner or a park owner, a different one from where the first homes were. And he basically started giving me these Lonnie homes to rehab and sell. Okay. And he kind of took me under his wing and said, hey, you should really get into mobile home parks instead of just the homes. You know, it's, there's tax benefits, it's more scalable, uh, you know, financing options and so forth. So I was like, hey, I don't have all that kind of money to buy the whole park. And he's like, oh, well, you can syndicate and, and raise money from investors for the down payment and for the improvements. And that was like an aha moment for me. And I, I literally stopped doing, I stopped flipping. I stopped doing the Lonnie deals and just went 100% in on learning how to syndicate mobile home parks. And it was a blessing. That was seven years ago. And now we're, like you mentioned, we're 
uh, about 2,500 lots, which has just been like life-changing for us. Yeah, that's that's huge growth right there. So so when you went from discovering this idea of syndicating, raising capital, bringing other investors in to take down these mobile home parks, how long did it, from that idea to actually syndicating your first deal or partnering with other people to take down your first park, how long did that take? It took about 18 months. Yeah, wow. so it wasn't like instantaneous. It, it took quick, a while. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was like attending seminars, reading books, you know, leveraging, you know, finding coaches, you know, nearby people in Orlando that have been doing this. Uh, I met a really good guy uh, at, a, at a New View Trust event named Ryan Smith, and he has this huge fund oh, yeah. that does uh, self-storage and mobile home parks. And he was like super kind, took me under his wing and you know, he's buying like grade A, really high quality stuff. And we're buying more, you know, all age affordable housing type of stock. And uh, and that's where he started. So he basically showed me how to do this. And that was like a huge help to, to you know, get on my feet to make sure that I wasn't making mistakes uh, initially. Yeah, I think uh, having that kind of community around you to help you, especially get started in something like syndication, right? It's invaluable because how long would it have taken if you just try to do it by yourself? Who knows, wow. right? I mean, it could have taken much longer, right? And you, I mean, you're always going to hit speed bumps, but learning from other people and you know the, the the good side, the bad side, all that stuff. It's it's definitely nice to have be surrounded by people who have who have already had that experience. So, um, listen, man, you know. I want to talk about mobile home parks. Why it's a good investment today? I, you know, I was we talked a little bit earlier about uh, about your website, which is just absolutely stacked full of great resources for those lo looking to learn more about mobile home park investing, right? And so, uh, one of the things that really caught my eye on there was basically uh, top ten reasons why uh, mobile home parks make a great investment. And so, I kind of want to start with there. Uh, a lot of our listeners are probably interested in this asset class because we don't touch on it very much. So, if we can't, let's just start there. What are some of your top reasons uh, for for why you guys chose mobile home park investing and continue to do so? Yeah, the top one that comes to mind is, is the supply constraint, right? The supply is shrinking of mobile home parks. There's roughly 40,000 manufactured housing communities in the United States, and it's being, it's, it's being reduced every year because mobile home parks are being redeveloped into higher and better uses for apartments or otherwise. And it's really tough to get a new mobile home park developed. I mean, think about it. If you live in a mm -hmm. subdivision, and you know zoning uh, is going to do a hearing to build a mobile home park right behind your subdivision. You know that NIMBY, that not in my backyard mm. uh, type of zoning, you know uh, resistance uh, is is a, is a very big problem. So there's there's more mobile home parks torn down every year than there are new ones being built, and the number like the the ratio is not even close. Number two, higher cap rates. There is a stigma around mobile home parks, right? The, there's shows like Cops and Eight Mile that just make mobile home parks out <laughs> to be these like big, scary, drug infested, uh, you know, places, which is like the farthest thing from the truth. And I've lived in three of them myself with my wife. And, you know, it's just, it's affordable housing. It's people that, you know, maybe are down on their luck or maybe they're choosing this, you know, that's the other thing. So you're going to be able to, because of that stigma, acquire these things at higher cap rates than other asset classes. Um, also, the, the ownership structure reduces risk, right? The, the residents, when they own their homes, you know, they're vested in it. So not only is, is the lot rent, you know, very affordable, but, you know, they're going to take care of their home, you know, without you needing to be the landlord that's paying for all of their repairs and maintenance, which is huge. You know, our operating uh, expenses are typically around 35% of our gross revenue, which is huge when you think about it. And it just makes it that much more scalable compared to, you know, apartments where the expense ratio is 55, 60%. At least, maybe? yeah, at yeah. At least, right? Yeah. 
So that's a, a big dynamic there. And it's it's affordable housing as well, right? The demand is off the charts. Like I told you when I sold those two mobile homes initially, we had like 25 people reach out in the first day. So there's there's a couple of the reasons why I love mobile home parks. I could I could tell you a few more, but yeah, it's it's huge. Yeah. And that's actually, I want to touch on some of those. So you mentioned the supply, the supply demand imbalance right there. Right. And so uh, my question is for supply, you know, you know, more mobile home parks are getting torn down every year. Right. And they're harder, getting harder and harder to build. What does that look like as an operator? I mean, you, you know, the supply is dwindling, right. It's going mm-hmm. down. What does that mean for the future of mobile home parks? You know, I mean, is there, a, is there, a, are you guys concerned about, you know, this being an issue going forward, because obviously, like you mentioned before, affordable affordable housing right now is a serious issue. And if we keep, you know, reducing the amount of affordable housing, such as mobile home parks, that's a, that seems to to be a problem. How do you guys go about mitigating that? Yeah, and and that's one of my you know passion projects is hey, when we're buying these communities from that's the other thing. Mobile home parks are highly fragmented. Over seventy percent mm. of the mobile home parks are owned by one off investors, mom and pop owners that have owned these things for 20, 30 years. So, you know, when we buy a mobile home park, it is very common for it to be 60, 70% occupied. You know, there's just vacant lots sitting there. So, you know, for us to go into these communities, these secondary markets in the Midwest and fill those vacancies and add 30, 40, 50, you know, affordable housing units into those markets that it might not make sense for a developer to come in and build, you know, entry level housing in. It does wonders for these communities to add that affordable housing. And that's one, one thing I'm really passionate about is, you know, getting mobile home park projects approved and also expansion projects and things like that, that uh, zoning officials, you know, kind of you know, snare their nose at. Yeah. So with that in mind, I mean, that's great. You're adding, you're adding units, you're adding, you know, actual housing for people, right? Uh, additional units. When it comes to being able to, you know, take these value add opportunities, what else are you doing to kind of bring these properties up to speed, make them more efficient, uh, better cash flow for investors, all of those type of things? Yeah, great, great question. And that's the thing is like with mobile home park ownership uh, and investment, you know, it's not rocket science. It's pretty, it's pretty straightforward, right? So uh, lot rents are historically low across the United States. You know, mom and pop owners own the most of these and they haven't kept up with inflation. You know, if you look at the apartment sector, I read a statistic recently that like 95% of apartment complexes over 50 units are owned by operators that own three or more assets. So like they're more professional operators where in the mobile home park space, you're dealing with, you know, Bob and Cindy that bought this 30 years ago. Now they're 75 and they want to retire. So there's just so much meat on the bone to come in and sub meter, put meters on each of the homes and build people for their usage. You know, a lot of the mom and pops are just including that in lot rent and mm-hmm. their lot rents are $150 a month where all the other parks around them are $350 a month, you know, and they're owned by bigger operators. So it's just coming in and, and doing things like that. Uh, in addition, filling the vacancies, you know, like, hey, there's 30 vacant lots here. Bring in homes and fill those homes and the income's going to go up. It's very straightforward. You know, we own self-storage as well. And, uh, you know, that's a small portion of our portfolio. But, you know, in that, it's it's a much more sophisticated way to add value, right? You need to come in, you need to revenue manage it, you need promos, you need marketing. You know, it's it's just a lot different compared to, hey, there's vacant lots here, put homes there and fill them and your income is going to go up. It yep. doesn't mean it's easy, but it's, it, <laughs> it's you know very straightforward. Yeah, simple, simple, not easy. So I, I think we can all relate to that, and that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. So w- when we're looking at these types of investments uh, as an operator or just an investor, are we considering these to be more of a cash flow play, appreciation play, or, or is it kind of a mixture of both? 
as in any asset class, there's a ton of different strategies. Sure. Our strategy is more cash flow. We're looking okay. in the Midwest at secondary markets like your Des Moines, Iowa's, your Sioux Falls, South Dakota's, your Fort Wayne, Indiana's. And we're looking at those markets for cash flow. And we're typically able to get, you know, buying a, a property and then adding value to it, you know, get to a 10 cap, uh, you know, it, it, with a very clear vision, uh, you know, by year three, you know, for the for the cash flow. Okay. Yeah. That sounds great. I mean, you're not seeing that anywhere else probably, right? <laughs> the departments or anything like that. So that's a, that's definitely a, nice to hear that. What are some of your other buying criteria when you're looking to evaluate, you know, potential properties? Do you guys have like a, a checklist uh, that you guys run through? What does that look like? Yeah. Typically we want 50 units or more just to get enough scale to include investors and, and make it make sense. Um, another big thing in mobile home parks is the utility infrastructure. Like this mm. is a huge thing. Like if you're ever going to invest in mobile home parks, you know, definitely make sure that the utility infrastructure is not like 50 years old, right? And and preferably if it's public utilities like city water, city sewer, which is what we're targeting, that's ideal, right? Because now you have, you know, the city that's treating the water and, and helping you with these things versus like a, you know, well water where like, hey, you could, you know, you if, if, if your on-site person that's doing the chlorine checks isn't staying on it, you know, there's huge liability there. So there's that. We also stay away from like lagoon sewer systems or wastewater treatment plants because they're just high ticket items. You know, it may cost a million dollars to replace a wastewater treatment plant. So utility infrastructure is really important. And since we don't own the homes or we don't desire to, sometimes we'll buy the homes, bring them in and then sell them to, to an end user. You know, the utility infrastructure is, is really where we get a lot of our depreciation. You know, that's the improvements oh, yeah. to, the, uh, to the raw land. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, you mentioned, uh, I've heard you say this a couple of times, and this is something I actually know about mobile home parks. You know, typically uh, you own the park, right? You so say you own the utilities, you know, the infrastructure, that kind of stuff, but you typically don't own the actual units themselves, right? Um, what does that look like from a property management standpoint? Does that make it much easier to manage those properties just by, you know, focusing on everything but the unit themselves? It, it can, right? Um, but as with anything, you know, we've we've learned that, hey, if you buy a park that has all homes that are, you know, round roof or flat roof homes because they were manufactured back in the 1960s, you know, you're going to have more turnover and you're going to have issues there. So, you know, after buying, you know, nearly 40 mobile home parks, we've learned some things, we've made some mistakes. And that's why investing with someone that has experience is just such a better route because we've, we've grit our teeth on some of those projects and, um, you know, learned the hard way. But I think like it, it just depends on the asset, you know, how durable and how, uh, you know, how stable your tenant base is. Sure. Yeah, I know that makes a lot of sense. You know, you bring up, you know, you've learned a lot through, you know, your 40 plus mobile home parks that you guys have gone together. Tell us a story, you know, tell us, tell us, give us an example of something that's gone wrong that you've really learned from and you've been able to apply uh, to what you're doing now. Yeah. So I, I, I mentioned this the other day and, uh, you know, how I learned about mobile home park investing. There was like this MHU boot camp done by this guy named Frank Rolf and, and his partner, Dave Reynolds. And I went there and they give you this due diligence handbook that has like 50 checklist items that you do before you buy a mobile home park. And that's where I started seven years ago. Now that same due diligence checklist has evolved to, to be over 350 line items long. <laughs> and it's like, you know, wow. we only, we've learned from every single deal we've done and we've taken things and said, hey, you know, we need to do this before we buy this next time. We need to make sure that we, you know, pressure test the water lines. We need to make sure that we check and make sure this is this is one thing that, that we learned the hard way on. We need to make sure that the transformers are providing enough juice 
so that, you know, this 60% occupied park, when we infill, you know, 30 more homes, and now it's 100% occupied, that those transformers have enough juice to serve these brand new homes that take more juice than the homes did back in the 70s and 80s when they infilled it originally. And that's one scenario where we had to get with the power company and get new transformers installed because they were having brownouts in the new homes that we installed. Mm. So, you know, there's there's situations like that where, hey, we've, we've learned the hard way. And now on our due diligence checklist, every time we check the transformers, we have the engineer from the power company come out and walk around with us and make sure, hey, how many homes are on each transformer? Is it five or six, which is actually a good sign? Or is it 26? Because that is a problem. <laughs> you know, it's funny because these are the only things you actually get through experience, right? Actually yes. going going through the challenges, learning from them, and then building an SOP out of out of that going forward. So uh, I love to hear that, man. These uh, these are all great stories you get. You can only, like I said, you can only get those from actually going through it. So um, I appreciate you sharing that. So, you know, with that in mind, uh, I kind of want to talk about you know, what's going on today, right? So the rise of interest rates has been causing heartburn for a lot of real estate operators recently, right? And, you know, this this trend may continue, unfortunately, uh, as we move forward, you know, for the people with floating rate debt, those kind of things, right? Especially when it starts to mature, we could see some more, uh, some pain in the market for some of these operators. Do, is this an issue in the mobile home park space? I mean, have you got, have you seen this? Uh, with some, the, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So you for are some operators that. that took that variable rate debt, but you know, we stayed away from it. We didn't, we didn't really need it. You know, we go to like regional lenders, credit unions near the park, and we get typically it's a, it's a five-year fixed rate with a five-year, it adjusts it five years and then, you know, is fixed for another five years. So it's like a 10 year note initially. So that's our bridge debt. You know, we're not doing any of this 24 month bridge debt type of stuff. We're getting a local credit union to finance the initial purchase because it won't qualify for the agency debt initially mm. because there have vacancy issues they have too many park owned homes, you know, the, you name it, they don't have proper financials to show a, 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 an agency lender, but then we'll take it with that credit union. We'll make improvements over 12 to 24 months. And then we'll go take it to the agency lenders, which offer the best debt terms in the asset class, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. And we know what they want, right? They want all the hitches removed. They want paved off street parking. They want, you know, curb and gutters. They want, you know, signage, they want X, Y, and Z. They want no deferred maintenance, you know, trimming the trees and things like that. So we'll get the property agency debt ready and then we'll go take it to the big boys and get, you know, really good long-term 10 year plus fixed rate debt on it uh, with interest only periods, et cetera. I mean, that's great to hear, right? Especially as a as a passive investor myself, we want to hear people being very conscious about the debt and make sure they're taking out uh, what's safe, especially in today's lending environment, right? Um, so love to hear that. In terms of in terms of um, you know finding deals and finding potential properties um, with lending in mind, are you guys seeing uh, deal flow? Is it still pretty? Are you still finding good deal flow, or is it kind of dried up for right now? I know a lot of apartment guys have said that it's kind of dried up uh, recently. Um, how's that going in the mobile home park space for you guys? You know, we ninety nine percent of our deals have been bought off market, okay. so we're going direct to owners. Uh, we added it up the other day. We did over two hundred sixty thousand cold calls to self-storage and mobile home park owners last year in 22. So wow. like we're consistently calling off market to try to generate deals and, and get people that, you know, have told everybody else that called, no, they're not interested in selling. We're trying to be that extra persistent to at least get them to hear us out because one of those deals we just closed recently, we got 100% financing, 100% LTV on a $4 million purchase price 
in a, in a pretty big market outside of Nashville, Tennessee on a 136 lot mobile home park. So it just shows you when you're going direct to the owners and there's not a broker involved, you know, they're more flexible. This guy had no debt on this asset. You know, he's owned it for 30 plus years. So there is opportunity out there, even in the marketplace today. It just takes persistence. Yeah, love to hear that, man. It sounds like you guys are staying busy and, you know, hope for the rest of the year is, is good to you guys. So with that in mind, what do you guys focus on for the rest of 2023? Any objectives you're looking to achieve in, say, the next 6, 12 months, something like that? Yeah, you know, all of the goal, you know, shooting for the stars type of stuff uh, really isn't isn't our our flash and in, in our game. We're just trying to be consistent. We're trying to, like, not swing for the fences, but just do, like, you know, what we think are really good doubles, you know, where we can sure. come in, add value and then replicate, right. You know, what we've learned from previous deals. So we're going to be opportunistic. We're not going to like be forcing, you know, a, a certain AUM number and try to push for that. Uh, we're just, Hey, when the deals come and they make sense, we'll do them. If they don't make sense, we kill them and we move on. Yeah. I, I really enjoy hearing stuff like that from operators, right? They're just consistent, you know, a lot less variability. They're just trudging along doing their job basically. Right. And so uh, I love to hear that. I think that's uh, the sub that needs to be uh, said by a lot more operators in my opinion. So uh, love to hear that, man. You know, this has been a great conversation. We touched on a couple of the top reasons why you guys love investing in mobile home parks, you know, to see the rest of those to our listeners out there, go check out killteam.com. You can find a lot of great resources there before we get out of here though. Uh, Andrew, tell the listeners how they can find out more about you, your business, and anything else you have going on. Yeah, I have a free ebook. If you check out my website, keelteam.com, it's the top 10 things to review when considering a mobile home park investment. So check that out. It's free. You put your email in, it sends it right to you. Um, highly recommend it. That's just keelteam.com. It's right behind me here. K-E-E-L-T-E-A-M.com. Awesome. Andrew, we're going to make sure to put that stuff in the show notes. Listen, this has been a great conversation. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. Hey, real quick before we get out of here, do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review for the podcast. We're always looking to bring you guys the best insights and strategies for building our real estate portfolios and your ratings and reviews really help with getting top guest speakers that are the best in the real estate investing business. I promise this will only take you a few seconds and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for being awesome, guys. Cheers.